Welcome to another really exciting episode of Voice of Crypto's podcast, where we get distinguished guests from the space of Web3, crypto, and blockchain. And we will talk about what they're doing, what sort of projects they're involved with. And today we have with us a really special guest, Dr. Melissa Walsh, who is known in this space as a crypto white, spotty wifey, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll let you to introduce yourself. Please give our uh, viewers a better insight into what you do, how you transitioned from being a doctor into this space. Yes. Um, so thanks, first of all, for having me. It's really nice to meet you, Varuni. Um, so I am um, Spotty Wifey, the wife of Spotty Wi-Fi. Um, also, uh, Dr. Melissa Walsh. I'm an OBGYN physician who's been practicing for about 13 years. I um, am born and raised in New York City where I trained. I spent about 10 to 11 years in the public health system there serving at the front line. Um, and then we basically moved down to Florida two years ago. And that's when the whole crypto NFT journey began. I mean, I kind of got into crypto um, into, in 2018, 2019, when I first met my husband, um, but 2021 was really it. When we got into NFTs, he discovered CryptoPunks, um, got 5528, now known as Spotty Wi-Fi, and here we are. I mean, it's been quite the journey um, over the last couple of years, and I really say through that introduction to the community with Spotty, I've been able to learn a lot more about not just NFTs and crypto, but the blockchain technology. And that's really sparked my interest. Mm -hmm. So while I understand that you've not been in this space for as long, but even so from 2019 or 2018 to now, there's just so much that has happened in this space and feels like, uh, I don't know, two, three decades while it's just been two, three years. So from then to now, how have things changed in front of you? And has crypto and the blockchain space seen any major shifts? If so, what are those according to you? I mean, that's a hard question for me because I've been kind of in the trenches of healthcare. Um, you know, it's as a physician, we're spending... 60, 70 hours a week on patient care and patient-related duties. So the the brain space for really ingesting all that is crypto and web three, it's just it's not feasible. I don't even think anybody who's full-time DGen can really um, absolutely. Uh, but for me, I think it's just kind of from a layperson view of crypto and blockchain, it's becoming more and more talked about, more and more integrated into our daily lives and the concepts of not so much using the word blockchain, but the concepts from that level of technology that I see getting into um, you know, our, our regular lives. I mean, in healthcare, it's more um, AI, machine learning, that kind of tech that is a little more talked about, but really the blockchain aspect of it, I hadn't really heard about in healthcare until going through this journey the last um, a couple of years with Spotty. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, sounds good. Uh, when I was looking at your profile today or LinkedIn, I saw something really interesting, which was on-chain healthcare advocate. So can you just sort of translate that for our uh, viewers? What does that mean? Yeah. So, I mean, traditionally, when we think of blockchain, when we think of NFTs, crypto, we think about finance, we think about business, mm -hmm. necessarily think about healthcare. We might think about the business of healthcare, but we're not always thinking about how does the healthcare system work? And in the US, there's a myriad of problems with the healthcare system. Um, and after 12, 13 years, uh, you know, from residency beyond, and even in med school, like the teaching that we have about the system that we're gonna work in is very different from the actual system that we work in. And I think that the potential for blockchain applications to healthcare is going to completely revolutionize the system. Absolutely. So um, are there any particular use cases that you see for blockchain in the healthcare system? If so, what are they? If you, if you could really delve deep into that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's kind of where I, I get this angle of, considering myself an on-chain healthcare advocate, because I believe that our healthcare system should be on-chain, especially mm -hmm. the United States is far from having something similar to the NHS or the, the healthcare system of Canada. Uh, we mm -hmm. spend the most money on healthcare and we have some of the poorest outcomes. I mean, we spend nearly 20% of our GDP on mm -hmm. healthcare. Yeah. Um, People who are insured, they're, you know, with oh, the um, Obamacare, we've expanded healthcare coverage, but of those who are covered, a large percentage are underinsured. There are people with chronic diseases that go unaddressed because there's just no access, but really it comes down to, you know, what can we do from the provider sends because I've taken care of thousands of patients who are just like end of the line, desperate situation. They had no choice but to show up to the hospital, but it shouldn't have to be that way. You should be mm -hmm. able to install preventative care. You should still, you should be able to have better access, especially in a country that is so well-developed. It has such a reputation for being at the forefront of medicine. And yet we have over 8% of our population uninsured, which is 30 million people that are just walking around with no insurance and going to the emergency room. And the issue with that is not like, why don't you get insurance? There's so many reasons, mostly financial. Medical debt is a huge thing here. Yeah. And I think about like, why do we have these problems? Why do I keep seeing this kind of patient that's just like, I tried everything over the counter. I went to my aunt, I went to my mom and nothing worked and now I'm here and I'm in, a, now I need to be hospitalized. Like it didn't need to be <laughs> this way. Exactly. Um, and, and then the records of the, the attempts of intervention and the, the records of what had you done in the past and what factors have led you up to this point. All of that is from my perspective as a physician are just part of the issue that everything is all over the place. Patients don't have a direction. And what I have really discovered by learning through the community about blockchain technology is that 
If we could integrate this into the healthcare system, it would change everything. It would give patients access to their records and the autonomy to take those records and go to any physician that they need. If they go to an emergency room, half most of the patients I see went to the emergency room. I don't know. They gave me this paper. What does it say? Like it's discharge paperwork that just says we think you have a UTI, but it doesn't tell me like what tests did they do, you know, what what exam, what imaging, any of that. And those are really vital because what ends up happening is that if I don't have those records, then we have to redo those tests. And there's a lot of abundancy in the system that could be avoided if you could just have access to those records. Um, I'm just highlighting, you know, different things that um, could be touched upon by blockchain. There is also the concept of digital identity and um, self-sovereign identity that a patient could own their records through a DID. Um, the other um, application would be if, you know, as a physician needing to be credentialed, needing to be licensed in different states, have privileges to do certain procedures and such at hospitals, all right. of that goes through a manual paper and computer system, takes months and months and months. But if you could just verify one time, I graduated on this date, it's always the same date. I didn't graduate multiple times from medical yeah. school and just have that audited. Yeah. It would really cut into the administrative costs as well. Um, those are just a couple of the um, applications. Very exciting. Very insightful. In fact, as an outsider to the healthcare industry, I wasn't uh, aware of so many applications of blockchain in this space. I did read about it here and there, but um, it would in fact make a lot of lives easier if this is implemented, I feel. For sure. Um, so um, if you can just let me know, what was that one trigger point of you entering this space? Because in the journey short has been great and what you stand for is very noble, uh, of course, but how did that pivot sort of happen for you? Well, that's a, that is a, it's, it wasn't one certain point. It was mm -hmm. more an accumulation. You know, mm -hmm. when you're trained to be a physician, when you're going to med school, I was one of, you know, probably 95% of med students are like, I want to help people. I just want, I'm a service person. You know, we all have our personalities, our callings in life and what we gravitate towards. And I'm a caregiver. I'm, that's just how I am. I'm always making sure people are eating. I'm always worried about, you know, people's health status. And that's where I came from. And then when you, you get into the nitty, nitty gritty of actual practice, mm -hmm. it's, I've felt the shift from what I learned in med school. When I was a medical student, we were still doing paper notes. We would have an MS-DOS level system to get lab results. And you would have to go to the radiology room to get the report. Like it was real bare bones, New York medicine. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you did what you needed to do because at the end of the day, the whole point of the healthcare system is to make sure society is healthy. It's to provide healthcare for humans. Humans are taking care of humans, but the system that we work in now 
is further corporatized. It's very private, private insurance heavy, I mean. Um, I think over 65% of people with healthcare insurance have private insurance. And that turns into the private insurance companies having the power to influence who gets paid for what and how much they get paid and which procedures are allowed. And it's like, I'm sorry, insurance company, did you go to medical school? Because <laughs> I went to medical school. <laughs> what the patient needs. And it's, it's, I was trained and, and my personality is like, this is a collaboration. Everything has to be collaborative as humans. And the doctor patient relationship is collaborative. It's your body. I'm the advisor to help you make the right decision. Somehow in this only 12 years, because I, I, my mentors have been practicing for 30, 40 years, and they see it too. It's just like, it's a huge shift away from that. It's more about volume, productivity, how much, mm. how many of X procedure that is short, but gets reimbursed high, can you do? And it's just like, that's not medical care. Yeah. <laughs> medical care is what's wrong. What do you need? Hopefully mm. I see you again until you need your regular checkup. Like that's, that's what we want. That yeah. would lower costs, but we don't have that. We just have more and more stuff piling from the insurance companies, from an administrative and seeing that pile up and then learning through the community that NFTs in itself, because that was really my, I think my introduction, my education of NFTs, of blockchain was that NFTs allow you to own a digital entity. And that is forever marked on the blockchain that you own that at this mm. time. And that's forever undeniable. Nobody can change it. If somebody tries to change it, that's also going to be on record. That's perfect for the healthcare system because we're yeah. not supposed to create a medical record, edit it, and hope nobody finds out. It's just like, no, that should be part of the continuation of somebody's medical record and it shouldn't be lost and it should be able to be found because what happened in the past is relevant for the future of somebody's health. And mm -hmm. that, that it, I think that learning and my frustrations with the healthcare system just combined and I was just like, oh no, we need to talk about this. <laughs> Yeah. And and I really feel very strongly that physicians at the front line, the ones who, and, and not just physicians, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, all of our, everybody who is a healthcare professional should yeah. be aware and hopefully involved in the development of the applications of blockchain for healthcare, because we're the mm -hmm. ones delivering and work in a system that was not built to help us. It was mm. built to make sure the coding and billing was right yeah. and the profit margins could be analyzed. Well, and yeah. it's like, this is this is the 21st century. This is this is not going away, but Absolutely. we are not seeing better health outcomes. Mm. We're spending and we're spending more and more. And it's just like, well, we should be healthier if we're spending. <laughs> so much <laughs> um but I think that that's part of it and I know I'm running on and on but I think the other part of it it was just the pandemic I know it's a little cheesy to say but it's just the pandemic really exposed how 
much infrastructure building we need because yeah. we're it's very because the people who work in healthcare like myself we know the workarounds we know the the things that we have to do to ha- make it happen mm. and it shouldn't have to be that way like it's yeah. 2023 <laughs> <laughs> yeah for god's sake it is this year now so yeah. i mean uh, while it would so we did speak about all the problems that blockchain technology solves but do you know any private any uh, organizations in the private sector or in the government sector that are already implementing blockchain in healthcare in any way yeah so um there's a few organizations that have helped in my my education in this space and i'm still you know life is a a lifelong journey of uh learning especially in in healthcare and web3 and everything but um my first first very first introduction was this organization called hpec which is the humanitarian physician empowerment community it was started by dr leah houston who um her, the aim of the the company is really to put provider credentials on chain to right. make it easier for us to go from state to state or hospital to hospital and also protect us from insurance fraud or or anything like that because our credentials will be controlled by us mm-hmm. um, they are working with a company called uh, Telefingerprint, which uh-huh. um, basically instead of having to reveal the keys to your wallet every time you want to transfer your data, um, you would just use your fingerprint as the key, which I think is genius. Um, Nobody it, has it time. To... <laughs> <laughs> like I don't have time to floating around 12 words. Of like, you've written your keys somewhere really safe. So every time you have to go open that, sometimes I'm in public and I, I'm just thinking, should I be opening this or not? Exactly, exactly. That is I, do. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of, um, you know, our, we always say like, we're very early, we're very early because it's really true because this is not yeah. a very niche community. This is a very niche area where the, con- the concepts are abstract and then, Furthermore, the technology is in its infancy because it's not mm. possible to move around in the world and have to like enter 12 words every time you want to do something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, was, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, just good. I'm so sorry. Good. Um, there was one other company I wanted to um, mention also um, called True ID. Okay. They're, um, their group that is based in London, um, in the UK, started by Dr. Dr. Um, Manny Nahar. He works for the NHS, infectious disease specialist, and similar concept um, to HPEC, but they're working with the NHS to help employ physician credentialing, um, which is very exciting because it's really yeah. just the beginnings of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other... Um, the other step to all of that is like once providers could have verified credentials, then as a verified entity, whatever records or materials I produce should also be able to be verified. So those patients yeah. records that we produce are 
you know, stamped, approved, this is officially by a physician so that when they go to somebody else or they move or whatever, those records could be trusted. Wow. Which is so much saving of time, effort, money, security. It's a lot more secure too. So yeah. does the job <laughs> a lot better. So um, Melissa, when you did enter this space and as a layman, when you had to understand the concept of blockchain technology and it does uh, sound overwhelming in the first go because I don't know about you, but that's exactly how I felt. So um, how did you explain that concept if you have to today to our viewers? How would you uh, explain it? The concept of blockchain technology. Like, How do you understand it? So what I understand the blockchain is that it's just another layer on top of what we already have available mm -hmm. as internet technology. This is my understanding. It's just like the internet <laughs> has evolved to a point that we can now interact with each other mm -hmm. anywhere in the world. The internet has developed to a point that now our activities produce data. And yeah. That data, we are just waking up to the fact that that data that we produce, that's from us, we have no control over, we have no incentivization, we have nothing, it's just out there, we're selling it mm -hmm. on our behalf, but not towards us. Um, and that data with blockchain is mm -hmm. able to be controlled by the person who produces it. Yeah. Um, because it is basically an ongoing ledger of verified data points that can be compartmentalized and put onto something like a wallet, like a digital identity, so that you can have control over that parcel of data. That's my understanding of the power of blockchain and how it's just another level different from what we have right now. Absolutely. That does make a lot of sense. But um, if we talk about the technology, honestly, any developing technology has its own pros and cons. So um, what are the ills of this technology, so to say, that you see, see in this space at this moment? I mean, security is a huge issue. Um, mm -hmm. Education. I think it's education and security are huge issues in this space because as much as I understand now versus a year ago at this point, I still feel like there's so much more I need to learn. Um, and it's just time. It just comes with time and reading and communicating, like networking, which is really great about the community, like blockchain mm -hmm. in general. Um, but I think, and security concerns because, you know, because the greater population and the greater media outlets, you know, the widespread, um, don't all really grasp what this technology means and how it will benefit people at large. Um, mm -hmm. And so a lot of fear mongering um, happens, a lot of headlines, a lot of, oh, look happened to SBX and like mm -hmm. all, and it's just dead. <laughs> That's not really it. That guy ran a scam, like so many people run scams in web two and web one and whatever, like that's human. But what is the technology's capability? That's where we really, you know, need to look into for healthcare. You know, there is, there are some concerns that because blockchain is basically 
the concept is a public ledger if you're using open source technology. How are you going to protect patients' information if it's on a public ledger? So because those parcels of information can be protected within a wallet, um, there is this newish concept that, or it's new to me, that I learned about called um, zero knowledge proof or zero knowledge yeah. protocol. Yeah, where they can protect that data, but still give the ability to verify that you truly do have those results or whatever information that you need. Um, and that helps with the security and the compliance with uh, patient information privacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely true. So um, I did, however, catch one thing that you say, which was um, that there's a lot of fear mongering in the mainstream media or amongst uh, mainstream, let's say, uh, viewers or uh, readers. So basically, um, you are, let's say, in a relatively traditionally traditional profession, right? Because you're a doctor and uh, people like doctors, engineers, are, these are relatively traditional professions. So um, if you look at your own community of doctors, would you say that there is a sort of change in terms of the acceptance for this technology? We're getting there. We're definitely getting there. I think um, through the community, I've I've definitely been fortunate to connect with a lot of great physicians still practicing or um, previously practicing physicians who are part DGEN um, and really into um, the potential of the technology. But overall, when I, I talk to my friends who aren't in the Web3 space, it is it is multiple conversations that need to happen. <laughs> Agreed, yeah. The other, the other um, drawback is that there's no, oh, let me show you this thing that you can do right now with it. Like there's yeah. not part of the tech that's available for healthcare in this very moment. And it's yeah. also institution dependent because some institutions are a lot more progressive than others. Um, and it's, it's figuring out the balance of incentivization for the hospital system to adopt any kind of blockchain tech into their system versus, you know, how how much it's going to cost and right. what benefit. Um, but those are, you know, hopefully near future things to happen. Yeah, we can always be hopeful about the future in the end. <laughs> Um, while this was a great chat, Melissa, I would love for you to have any closing thoughts or anything that you would uh, like to say to our viewers about this technology, about yourself, anything really. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think that a huge part of being in the Web3 community is networking, talking to others, learning and collaboration. I think that if it wasn't for the space, I I wouldn't feel so like sure about how to think about how the future of healthcare is going to be because I really feel that this is the the way that we need to go. I think that the decentralization of everything to bring more people in yeah. is going to be the way of the future. So we need to keep working with each other, keep talking. I did want to give a shout out to Athena Dow. Uh, it's a decentralized science um, community of researchers, women's health advocates, 
um, and funders who are really looking to expand research funding to under underpaid attention to topics, um, especially. I'm one of their physician contributors. Um, oh. You know, it's early days in the Dow, but they recently last month um, put out a reproductive biology health report to highlight mm -hmm. research all around the world on topics affecting women's health, women's fertility. I mean, we make 40% of the population and yet there's only 2% of healthcare research goes towards female conditions that aren't cancer. And mm. it's like, that's something that's known, that's something that's talked about, but I really feel like in the Web3 blockchain community, there's truly a means by which we can change that. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And there's just so much that you're doing, such beautiful communities that you are part of that can truly bring some sort of, I feel, socioeconomic change in, um, across the globe I feel not in any nation per se but great work and it was a great chat with you I hope to see you again really soon hopefully with another episode here and thanks again for joining us today